0: Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you might be tuning in to listen to this podcast. My name is Doug Pluck, Not, and this is The Leadership Connection. Today, I am speaking with Andy Page, a guy I worked with a number of years uh, ago with Allied Reliability. Andy's one of these guys that, uh, well, I've said right along to the folks that know him, mean, he might be the smartest guy I ever worked with. Uh <laughs> I hear a chuckle in the background, but anytime I had one of them questions, especially when it comes to some of this high-tech stuff, he's my go-to guy, Um, and he's got a great background uh, um, growing up, and uh, his experience coming into this field is is really remarkable, and he has become certainly a leader among uh, many, many folks uh, in our industry. So, Andy, welcome.
1: That's very kind of you to say thank you for the warm welcome, Doug. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's, uh, <laughs> you certainly earned it, that's for sure. Um, so, Andy, tell our audience who might not know you a little bit about yourself, your background uh, growing up, where you might have gone to school, and how you got into this industry. Okay,
1: great. Yeah. So, my undergrad degree is in engineering from a little school called Tennessee Technological University, uh, way back in 1993, right? Um left there and went to work at an aluminum smelter as a maintenance engineer. And that was, that was really neat, right? Giant place made a million pounds of aluminum a day. Um, I was maintenance employee number 256. So it was a super, super place for new kid out of school to, um, you know, get my feet wet and cut all my teeth or whatever phrase you want to put in there. Um, left there and went to work for a company called CSI. They make vibration analysis equipment and and other predictive maintenance equipment. Uh, Worked as a regional services manager there and uh, wasn't there very long before one of my customers kind of made me one of those offers I couldn't refuse, right? They they gave me the godfather thing, right? And um, that put me in the mining industry for about eight years. That was really, really neat. Uh, While I was in mining, you know, I either worked as a uh, an employee of the mining company as a reliability leader, uh, around 35 or so different mines. And uh, and then just as a kind of a full-time consultant back to that particular company. Um, left there and joined Allied Reliability, uh, where I was for 16 years. that did everything from program manager to instructor to consultant, principal consultant, and then on to vice president of operations so that was a really fascinating time uh, for me. And, um, you know, one of the things that kind of makes me me, you know, happen to me while I was there at Allied, you know, we we'd have these projects and some would go really well and some would not go so well. And uh, we were confused. Right. Because, you know, we we were given the same degree of technical rigor to all of our projects. So we were really confused when some didn't go so well. And, you know, we asked some clients to kind of help us analyze the situation. And what we really found out was it, it wasn't so much the technical rigor that we had applied. It was that customer's, that client's ability to lead positive change. And um, we were fascinated by this. We we hired some folks who kind of specialize in that thing. And we started to learn about that stuff. And the more we learned, the, the more answers, the more questions we got answered, the more you know, confusion was eliminated, and I, I just got particularly fascinated with it, and And I, I I started on some graduate school journey to learn as much as I could about that stuff, and uh, seven years later wound up with a master's and a PhD in organizational psychology, uh, where my dissertation was on resistance management, which is kind of a subset of change management, and, and uh that the more of that stuff I learned, the more fascinated I got and the more helpful it became to me as a as a consultant. And uh so let's see, left left allied reliability. Now I work for a company called DSS Plus. Uh we used to be known as DuPont Sustainable Solutions. We were the internal consulting arm of DuPont for a long, long time. But about two and a half, three years ago, they split away and became their own standalone entity. So I I work there now.
0: Very good. Now, explain a little bit about this resistance <laughs> degree that you have. That's that sounds very interesting. <laughs> well, that was my that was the
1: subject of my doctoral dissertation. Right? OK, so, so the degrees are uh, industrial and organizational psychology. But the dissertation was about, you know, when you go to implement a change, uh, some people just naturally jump right in there. Uh, other people need to let it stew a little bit before it makes sense to them. And still there are others who will resist it, who will fight the change. And um, everybody that resists, resists for their own reasons. And part of being a good change leader is understanding who is resisting and, more importantly, why. Why are they resisting? What piece of the puzzle is missing for them that will get them on board the train with everybody else? And so, you know, there's lots of techniques for identifying who's resisting, and there's lots of techniques for um, figuring out why they're resisting and trying to help them with it, right? And uh, so it's just called resistance management is what it's called, right? And so it's a sub-element of change management.
0: Interesting stuff, because, you know, in my experience, it, it seems like it's a small percentage of those that are resistant, but they seem to have influence, Right, mm. they may have been there longer or have more experience, and it's wow. one of those things that, that that when you come across that, you go, "Oh my gosh, what the heck am I going to do now?"
1: Right. There, well, there, there's a larger percentage of people who resist, but there's a small percentage of those who actively resist.
0: Right. Mm.
1: So we differentiate passive from active. Right. So there's a there's generally a much larger percentage of people who are passively resisting. Basically, they're saying, "When I see others jump on board." I'll jump on.
0: I'll come along. Yeah,
1: but but not until. And there's usually only a few that actively resist. Now, of those that actively resist, uh, the 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 wisest change leader embraces it instead of writing them off as a business write off or writing them off as naysayer. A wise change leader will go, "Hey, love it. I love that you've got some ideas. Tell me what's on your mind. Right? Is there some unintended consequence we're not seeing?" Is there some buried implementation that we haven't seen? What are you seeing about the change plan that's giving you cause for concern that we haven't seen? So a good change leader, a wise change leader will always embrace those who are actively resisting and say, hey, educate me, tell me more. How can we improve the plan such that it's no longer a problem for you? And 99 out of 100 people will go, thank you for listening. Yeah. yes i'll have something to say and by the time you and they are done your plan is better because yeah. they saw stuff you didn't see or at least they believe they saw stuff you didn't see so yeah. it becomes just a back and forth until your eyes are open a little their eyes are open a little and you're all on the same page
0: yeah right.
1: now so, uh, there will of course be the occasional one who um you know that they're going to fight it no matter what, and uh, we don't waste a whole lot of time on those folks. They'll they'll come along or or won't. You know, but they're they're usually <laughs> so small, and usually those people are not influential, so we don't we don't concern right. a whole lot.
0: Right? Yeah. So, looking back on your career, um, are there? a mentor or two that, uh, you look at and say, there's somebody that, that affected my career in a positive way that you'd like to give some kudos to today.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. There are definitely two that, um, you know, one from a, from a kind of general leadership perspective and, and one from a technical leadership perspective, I'll cover the technical one first. Uh, a lot of people that may be listening to this podcast might know the name Art Crawford, um, Art was a very close friend of mine and definitely my strongest and most influential mentor along the way. Those who don't know Art, he founded IRD and um, would wind up becoming, I'd say, arguably the largest name in the industrial vibration analysis world. Um, Art was a, you know, practiced that stuff till he physically couldn't do it when he was in his early 90s. And uh, I am so blessed to uh, have got to go on many, many jobs with Art as he consulted in the field of vibration analysis and solving specific problems with fans and pumps and compressors and what have you. I probably went on, oh, 15, 20 jobs out in the field with Art, Um, you know, carrying his gear for him and, and uh, helping on problems and swinging the modal hammer and, and all those things. Man, I was just fascinated with Art. And um, the thing that I loved about Art is, uh, one, he always started the you know solving every problem with the most basics you can imagine, right? He'd go on and grab a piece of paper, jump on a whiteboard and, and draw some simple equation up there that everybody knows and goes, okay, let's start with what we know. And he said that every time, let's start with what we know. And then by the time he was done with the math, you know, it was pretty clear what we needed to go out in the field and validate. And uh, we'd go out in the field and validate it. And, and, you know, he never guessed, he never worked off stories or anecdotes or feelings or emotions or anything It's always, you know, it's always math based. And let's start with what we know. Right. And and he just, just as simple as could be work his way through it. And it was, it was fascinating to watch him do it. And I, I try my best to emulate, uh, that practice even today um, from the, the the funniest story about him and this bears telling is, you know, I was listening to him talk to a, a guy who had, who, who had been a, like an industrial mechanic millwright type guy who had converted to a vibration analyst and they were talking about balancing and they were going back and forth. And, you know, and I was just sitting there, you know, trying to learn as much as I could from both of them. Cause I was really new to the game at that point. And I recognized every word they were using and I recognized the concepts and I was listening and made sure I understood. And it made total sense to me. And not two weeks later, I'm with him again and he's talking to an engineer and they're using phrases and words I'd never heard of. They're using words like eigenvectors and eigenvalues. And they're talking about matrix algebra and they're, you know, all these things. And I had not the first clue what they were discussing. And when it was over and we were walking away, I said, Art what were you guys talking about? And he said, balancing. And and it, it just blew my mind that two weeks before him and another guy had been talking about balancing and I knew every word he was using. And then now, just now he was talking with a guy and using a bunch of words I'd never heard of. And it was the same subject. And one of our superpowers is whoever he was talking to, he would talk, in terms of the vocabulary used and the concepts he was trying to convey, he would talk up or down to the level where they were, in a way that made it easier for them to understand. And I, I, that was such a great life lesson, you know, because part of whether we're talking about resisting change or whether we're talking about conveying a new idea, you gotta you gotta sing in their key, or else they won't follow, right? So part of talking to somebody and getting to change their mind or educating them is about, well, who are they and what level and words and what have you do I need to speak to get them to listen most readily? And he was a master of that, an absolute master.
0: That's a real gift for sure. Uh,
1: In terms of leadership, um, an old boss of mine in the mining business called by the name of Jeff Harris. And I have never seen since or before somebody who was a better leader than Jeff. I learned so many things from Jeff about respecting people, about being the kind of leader that people want to follow, instead of being the kind of leader that people feel obliged to follow. I, Jeff was the kind of guy that not <laughs> not only did he walk on water but he froze it so that others may follow you know what i mean and uh, <laughs> J- jeff was the kind of guy that i mean there's still three or four people who i used to work with who um we all worked for jeff and still today we talk about that was the best time of our life when we all worked for jeff and what we learned from jeff and it was fascinating i mean i learned so much from him it was great guy great guy and
0: and that's really the power of leadership. It impacts people that way. I have that yeah. that same group of guys that uh, I started out with. Oh, heck, it was forty years ago. You know, we worked together for ten years, and whenever we get together, we still talk about the old times. And you know, uh, we curse ourselves for all go in separate ways, you know, but that's what what life brings. And uh, uh, it would have been great to work together for 40 years, but realistically, you know, you all have goals, you all have things you want to do and, and life goes on.
1: Well, yeah. And a lot of times we remember our developmental periods most fondly because yeah. that's where we learned the most. And that's where we got awakened to well, you wanna... concepts, right? you want
0: to go out and emulate that. You want to go yeah. out and see if you can do it, see if you can repeat it. Yeah, It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a magical thing. It really is. Yeah. So speaking of those types of environments, if you're looking to hire somebody, what are the traits that you look for uh, in, in hiring people that, that you think would become good leaders?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, uh, I'll throw a little psychology out there first, and then I'll answer the question the way Andy would answer it, right? So the two heavy hitters are always intelligence and conscientiousness, right? You know, how uh, what's their ability to, you know, uh, bring in new ideas and integrate it into the way they think? And then conscientiousness is, you know, to what degree do they care uh, about doing a good job? To what degree do they care about you know being a high performer, that kind of thing, right? So you know when you when you when you start mapping out success factors, uh, you find that those two consume probably seventy percent of the success factors that it takes to uh, you know predict who's going to be an effective leader, right? But for, for me, and, and this winds up being a big chunk of what's left for me, it's 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 about interest, right? And it's not it's not about who's interested in being a leader. Because if you ask that question, you, you get a bunch of people who's in it for ego and they're in it for their own glorification, right? For me, it's about who's interested in developing others. Yeah. A leader is not... So, so a lot of times in business, we, we we reckon that high performer is a synonym for leader. And that's not true. In fact, they're, they're not even related, right? Um, a leader is somebody who develops others. That the team is a higher performing team because of that person's efforts, right? So a lot of times you you see out there in business, somebody's a high performer, so they go, "Well, that person's a leader. No, they're just a high performer. And that's a beautiful thing in and of itself, but high performer does not equal leader or, or vice versa, right? So when I talk to people about leadership positions, I'm trying to figure out, are they in it for their glory? Or are they in it to make the team better? And those who are in it to make the team better, that, those are the ones I want.
0: Yeah. I've always said that uh, the good leader wants to be able to walk away and, and see all that continue on when they're gone, right? Yeah. And in fact, in yeah. fact, do more. Rise above what I taught you, right? Learn more.
1: What, what's, the, what's the old story about, you know, Leonardo da Vinci was sitting there one day and he would, he would make a sketch before he made a, the painting, you know, to get the framing right and the spacing right and perspective right and everything, right? So the story goes this one day he, he'd finished the painting and one of his students was standing next to him. And he says, he looks at the painting and looks at the sketch and he goes, poor is the painting that does not surpass this, the sketch, and he looks at, looks at his student and says, poor is still the student who does not surpass the master. <laughs> right? So when you yeah. think about that, you're like, look, I'm giving you all of my life lessons. You're getting them earlier than I got them. You're getting them easier than I got them. You're getting them with less effort than what I got. them." So that having been said, there's no excuse for you not to go further faster. And, you know, the, the great Leonardo said, and if you don't, it reflects poorly on you because I've given you everything I could give you and you didn't take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, It's a good way to think of
1: it. <laughs> it's, getting, it's a little it's, bit intimidating when you think of it like that, isn't it? Right. Cause it puts true. on it's, you. Yeah. To, to like take advantage of all the things you've been given and weaponize them into something that, you know, makes you and the world a better place.
0: Right? So Looking at leadership, and this is a great question for you because of your experience in, in education, uh, given it, that question that you hear a lot, is leadership a natural skill or is it a learned skill?
1: <laughs> That's a trick question, believe it or not, because um, what, what we know is that it's both, right? Disposition yeah. Yeah. is natural, but skills are all taught, right? So I can't teach you to be more conscientious, right? That's, that's the function of you and all that's happened to you up to this point in your life, right? I can't teach you to be open to new experiences. I can't teach you to be less neurotic, right? These are three of the big five personality traits, right? So, so there's a certain, your disposition, your personality, um, that's, that's natural. Um, however, all of the skills required, like how to communicate, how to have a you know, uh, how to, how to manage a confrontation, you know, how to, um, uh, you know, analyze a a group of people and see who you've got, you know, how to work with them in a way that they need to be worked. Those are all skills and skills can be taught, right? Um, Disposition cannot be taught, but skills can be taught. And leadership is always the combination of disposition and skills.
0: Very good. And uh, interesting, it's just, uh spoke with somebody else this morning and and used the example of the military for that. Yeah. Right? Man, they put out some leaders, but but put them into an environment all of a sudden where people start asking questions. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes they struggle, right? Well, Why do I gotta do that? Right.
1: <laughs> you, you know, I mean part of the military situation is there will be a time for open discussion. Yeah. But that time will come to an end. And when that time comes to an end, you are expected to follow along with whatever decision the leader made, right? You had your chance to speak up, Doug. You took your chance to speak up. We heard you, but we didn't go your way. So now it's time for you to be a first class follower and jump in here with the rest of us, you know, based on what decision was made, right? So, uh, you know, I I would contend that there are lots of non-military organizations that could substantially benefit from that style
0: right absolutely yeah, it,
1: yeah it's nowhere near as com- command and control don't mean what most people think it means right it doesn't mean you know I speak you jump that's not what it means right uh, but uh, yeah th- those that have that have stayed in the military let's say more than six or seven years right and have gotten up to a like a medium level leadership position or higher, they understand what I'm talking about. Right. So if you're just a private or a corporal, um, you've never had the opportunity to sit in those meetings, go around the table with the boss. And he goes, I'm looking for arguments. I'm looking for recommendations. And we're all equal here for the next 20 minutes. Right. Right. Most most people who hadn't been in the military more than six years have never got to experience that. So they don't even know what goes on. Right. <laughs>
0: Good stuff. So last but not least, uh, and I know you're a voracious le- uh, reader like I am. Do you have a book or two that you, you could put out there for people on leadership that you think are, are yeah. great ones to dig well, into? I'll
1: tell you this. Is a, for me, it is a bit of a complex question, right? Because. Leadership is comprised of lots of different parts to the puzzle, right, if you will, pieces to the puzzle and the two pieces or three pieces or however many pieces, right? The pieces that I was missing are not the same pieces that you had missing. And it's not the same pieces that the next person had missing, right? So what may be a groundbreaking, earth-shattering, paradigm-shifting book for me, you may have read and went, "Eh, yeah, I knew that, right? Mm -hmm. And the next person may read the same book and go, waste of time, knew a lot of that, you know, waste of time, right? So, you know, what I say is, you have to read a lot. You got to read many different books from many different angles to figure out what puzzle pieces do you have that are missing, right? Because I I guarantee the stuff that's missing for me is not the stuff that's missing for you, right? But if you're asking me what books represented the missing pieces for me, though I had to read it twice to, to, to start to comprehend it, the seven habits of highly effective people was a paradigm shifting book for me. Yeah. Um, there's a book called crucial confrontations. That was another paradigm shifting moment for me. Like when you got to go have that conversation with a peer, a boss or an employee that you go, man, there's no way this is going to go well. Cause I'm going to say a bunch of stuff they don't want to hear. There's actually a method to that. That's a skill. And I've never seen it presented better than in crucial confrontations. Wonderful, wonderful book. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, he, he he's pretty popular right now. But our man Jocko Willink has some fabulous books out on leadership. Um, Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership are awesome, awesome books. Uh, especially if you're into you know, stories told by Navy SEALs about going out and being Navy SEALs, right? (laughs) Because let's face it, you know, the world puts those guys and guys like them, right? There are many other groups like them, but puts guys and guys like them into situations where leadership is, in fact, the deciding factor. So, um, you know, oftentimes military leaders are the best place to learn leadership lessons from because, the scenarios they're put in (laughs) leadership is the linchpin that makes the whole thing work, you know? So not only is leadership put under a spotlight, but it's, it's actually put on trial and, and great leaders come out the other end and bring their folks with them. And, and, uh, poor leaders don't come out the other end. Right. So there's no better, there's no better trial of leadership than, than oftentimes war. Right. Um, to that end, you know, one of the books that military leaders study as they get into the higher echelons of, of being an officer is a book called On War by a, a guy named von Clausewitz, right? And which is generally considered one of the first modern pieces of philosophy about how to conduct war. And uh, what's interesting about that book, Doug, is almost any passage in that war, in that book, you can take that passage and take out the word war or combat and replace it with the word change. And the paragraph reads perfectly still. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes people who study leadership philosophically is what makes them so powerful, is that while you and I, I don't know about you, but I've never been in combat, uh, never been to war, but I find myself in situations at work that is perfectly parallel, though the, uh, the you know, the the consequences are nowhere near
0: this. Not the even stuff. close, right? <laughs> not
1: even close, not even the same ballpark. But if we look at it philosophically about, yeah, I, I'm in conflict with this person or this group of people, and how do I manage that conflict in a way that, you know, makes me able to achieve my goals, uh, you know, maybe even helps them achieve their goals, um, then, if we if we study it philosophically, we find the number of parallels are quite amazing, right? So, so those who are uh, like thinking about those things deeply, I'll add a book to the list and and get the book called On On War O N War On War by von Clausewitz, right? So, all
0: right, fascinating, very book. good. And uh, <laughs> I asked that question for selfish reasons; it gives me a uh, an opportunity each time to find a new book to grab and, and set down on the shelf and and put on a list of reads. So I appreciate it. You're always a good person. I've always, uh, loved some of the stuff that, uh, that you've recommended, uh, in the past. So Andy, it's been great talking to you today.
1: Thank you, Doug. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
0: All right. I hope family's all doing well and that, uh, you're loving the, the, the career and, and, and the job and all that stuff, too. So far, so
1: good, as they say.
0: <laughs> all right. Take care, Andy. This has been uh, Doug Plucknut and Andy Page for the Leadership Connection. Have a great day.